0: We are finishing up a series titled, Who's Your Daddy? Um, But before I continue with that, I want just to remind you this morning that we're having baptism this evening at 5 o'clock at Lake Lyman Lodge, or Lyman Lake Lodge, I forget. Is that right, Lisa? There's a way to say it if you're from around here, I'm told. And if you're not from around here, then you probably said it the way that I did, although I'm kind of from around here. But anyway, it's going to be there if you can find it <laughs> um, at 5 o'clock. Listen, this is an awesome time. We, we tell you time after time that uh, the baptisms uh, symbolizes and is a part of what we stand for. It's the most important thing that we do. And as Cliff has told you, I'll remind you that um, you need to show up tonight. Don't let any other excuse or any other thing get in the way. You need to be there tonight. Even if you don't know anybody who's being baptized, if you're a part of this church, that's something we do as a church, and you need to be a part of it. We've got 24 people that we're baptizing this afternoon, and that is awesome. So, and I won't mention Bucky's Barbecue afterwards, but, um, <laughs> yeah. Shame on you for being more excited about barbecue than you, (laughs) non-skit. But we're we're going to be there. Hope that that you will show up seriously because it is something that that we think is the most important thing that we do, and we're looking forward to being to being a part of that. Um, And just want to just want to tell you again as we're finishing up this series, we've been doing a series about who's your who's your daddy, and basically the idea is you know who's in control, who what's what's in control of your life, who's in control of your life. We talked about several things with. Just sin in general, being in control. We talked about food, and we talked about anger. And this morning, I want to kind of close things up talking about desires, and specifically the idea of coveting. And now that one's kind of a, maybe tough. I mean, how many of you use the word covet lately in your everyday language? Uh, we use it sometimes, and usually we use it in the right context because we use it as a, as a negative thing. We talk about not wanting to covet something. But I want to talk about our desires and coveting this morning as we wrap that up and, and how that can, that can play a part in our lives uh, that, that really uh, can get in the way of letting God have control of who we are. Turning your Bibles, if you have them, to uh, Exodus. That's in the Old Testament. Second book, Genesis, Exodus of the Old Testament, chapter 20, verse 17. And um, if you don't have a Bible, the Scripture will be on the screen, but we encourage you to bring your own. This uh, may be familiar to you, Exodus chapter 20 is uh, a list of the things that we call the Ten Commandments, and um, verse 17 is, is, is a great scripture that we're going to kind of base everything off of this morning, and we'll turn to a few other places. But it says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his man servant or maidservant, his ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to to your neighbor as we as we look at that just knowing that's kind of a of a foundational scripture of what what the bible tells us about coveting now what does it mean this is this is the definition of of covet it means to wish for earnestly to desire what belongs to another makes sense i think we although we don't use it much in our everyday language we probably all understand kind of what that means it's just this idea of of not just necessarily wanting something, but the the idea of being uh, coveting is the idea of seeing something that somebody else has, and you wanting that or desiring that earnestly in such a way that it pretty much just kind of takes control of who you are. And we'll look at that in a little bit. But but here's what I want you to know. I mean, all of us all of us have desires, right? Do you have just desires? No. <laughs> Nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with having ambition and and desires and wanting certain things. So I'm not saying that you know any time you say, "Oh, I'd like to have that," that that's a sin necessarily. I'm not saying every time that you say, "Oh boy, I really would like to have you know that," or you see somebody who has something, you say, "Boy, it'd be nice if I had one of those." That's in, in itself not necessarily a sin. There, there's a difference between just what would be considered normal, regular desires and wanting things versus when it gets to the point to where it's considered to be coveting. Here's just a couple of examples that you might identify with. The difference may be between just normal, regular wanting something and, and coveting something. Wanting something sounds like this. You know, I would like to have, fill in the blank, whatever that is. Coveting says I've got to have or I must have. Wanting says that you can be able to recognize things as things. You know, that's, it's, just, it's just a possession. It's just, you know, it's okay, but, but I'd still like to have that, but I realize that it's just a thing. Coveting sees things as status or a way of being fulfilled. Wanting, nothing really changes if you don't get it. If it's just a regular want or a desire, just a normal kind of thing, you say, well, you know, I'd like to have one of those, and something, you know, you forget about it, a week later because you didn't get it and it wasn't that big of a deal. Coveting, everything changes if you don't get it. You may get angry. You may pout. You may, whatever your mechanisms are and the way that you use those, you may manipulate in such a way to, you're going to change something. You're going to do something until you have what you said you wanted. That's kind of a difference between those. With wanting, just regular, everyday, normal kinds of wanting things or desiring things, you spend some time maybe thinking about it, but it's not. It's just a minimal amount of time. It's just a thought of saying, yeah, that would be nice. You, you don't necessarily spend a lot of time or thought or energy on, on the whole idea. With coveting, it becomes something that kind of possesses you. You spend an inordinate amount of time. You find yourself thinking about it. All the time, you find yourself thinking about ways that you can get whatever it is that you want. You may even have to spend a lot of money to go around and about to get something that normally may not have cost what it would have cost, but you had to go a roundabout way to get it. So coveting just just kind of takes it to a different level. So those are just kind of some general ideas. And again, nothing necessarily wrong with just every day. Uh, You know, I think we would probably be uh, boring people if there wasn't things if we didn't have ambition and desires and wants for certain things but keeping it in in the right context so this idea of of coveting it, it focuses primarily on getting what someone else has and it becomes a major problem in our lives if we let it take root look over uh, in the uh, in the new testament you can look over to the book of james and kind of keep your thumb maybe in uh, exodus we'll kind of flip back there now, I've read some of the scriptures before that I'm going to read, and I'm sure that you all remember every one of them, right? But these are good scriptures. James 4, verses 1 through 3. It says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and, what's the next word? Covet." But you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So that's just a great scripture to help understand just kind of the root of this, that that the quarrels and the fights and the selfishness and the arguments and all those things are based out of this desire to have something that you don't have. You want it, you don't get it it becomes a problem. No other place is this more evident than any preschool playground, right? Have one kid walk in that morning with the newest toy or the latest thing and let the other kids that see it that don't have it and all of a sudden it's like, oh, he's got Buzz Lightyear, right? Before you know it, Three of the kids got one guy down on the playground and, you know, they're beating him up and taking his stuff. and oh, hopefully that did not happen. But you, we see that in kids a lot, don't we? Kids can be, can be going around just acting normal, minding their own business, and then they see something that all of a sudden they've just got to have. And then it changes. Tantrums. Everybody's got one. I've got to have it. Their attitude changes. Their whole demeanor, their whole behavior changes. And that's kind, of what it, that's kind of what it does for us. Now, we adults, we don't do that, right? Nobody sees anything and goes, oh. Now, I have to have a little confession to you to be able to preach this sermon with integrity from here on out. I've been looking at motorcycles lately, just thinking, man, those... <laughs> I guess I don't have to say anything else, right? I haven't crossed the line yet. But I want to tell you, I've been close. <laughs> I've been close. I've been tempted to cross the line, now, especially, I don't know if Marshall's here this morning. Marshall Sightler dro- drove up Bible school with this big, nice Harley Davidson. And when he, when, when he pulled into the driveway, Shelly was standing beside me, and she just wiped my mouth off. I was gone. <laughs> anyway, so we know how that is, right? I mean, you know, there, there are things. And, and as harmless as something like that might sound, that can get out of control. They can get out of control to where that becomes would be, become something that just runs my life, basically. I'm just always thinking about having it. I've got to get it, you know. I've got to think about how I can make Marshall hurt his leg or something so he won't be able to ride his motorcycle. I tell him, it's not good for that thing to sit there by itself, Marshall, while you're laid up in the hospital. I'll come and take it for a spin every now and then to make sure everything stays good. Uh, but we can do that honestly can't we and, and we have to be careful that even the things that we might consider to be small things whether we see somebody else and they've got on they've got on uh, uh, clothing it's 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 it's, a, it's a, the the shoes that we've always wanted right ladies it's the bracelet it's the earring oh did you see that lipstick <laughs> now that sounds kind of funny right but it's even in some of those simple things, if we're not careful, those things can lead to becoming more and more serious and, and turn into that idea that we, that we begin to covet something. And James tells us that's where a lot of the troubles come from. That's where a lot of the selfishness and, and the coveting and all that begins with this desire of, I've just got to have something that I don't have. If only I just had that. Now, I want to talk to you specifically about two things this morning, other than the quarrels and selfishness and all the fights and all that kind of stuff, which is bad enough in and of itself, right? Other than that, there are two other things that are major issues when it comes to the area of coveting and how it affects our lives. And one of them is this, coveting promotes a false sense of security. Coveting promotes a false sense of security. It's this idea of the more I have, the better I feel about me. The more things that I can obtain, if I can just have what she has, that will make me feel better. If I just had what he had, man, that's all I need. I just need that. If I could just have that, that, wouldn't that be awesome? And look in the book of Luke. That's in in the Gospels, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, chapter 12. Verse 15, this is Jesus talking, and it says, Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of, what's the word? Greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You know, there's the famous saying that's not very good, but it's, you know, he who dies with the most toys wins. Right, guys, you have heard that? The one who dies with the most toys wins. It's the idea, and Jesus says, Listen be on your guard there's all kind of possible ways of greed taking hold of your life and jesus says that that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions in other words the more you have does not necessarily mean the better off you are it definitely means the more you have it doesn't mean the more happy happier you'll become it doesn't mean if you have more, you'll become more fulfilled. Although those are the things that we often associate the idea with. If oh look at what he's got! It. If I if I just had that, man, I would be so much happier. Things would be so much better. Life would be so much better. Now look back over. Look back over in Exodus, and just um, look at the, the scripture that we uh, that we had there to begin with. About coveting and look at the things that that are mentioned in this scripture, which I think are are pretty interesting. It says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. Man, if I just had that house. If I had a house like they had, we just Golly, if I had that house, boy, we could just do all kinds of stuff. I We'd have parties over our house all the time. We'd have people over all the time. We'd do all these kinds of stuff. we probably, if we had an extra bedroom, two extra bedrooms like they have, we might even let a missionary stay with us or maybe house a homeless person every now and then, right? Oh, if I just had that house. But he, t- he talks about that's, that's a possession and, and a house is also kind of a symbol of a status. If I just had the house like that, that means that I would be in that financial bracket, which means that means I would be in this financial status and people would look at me as living in this neighborhood instead of just living over here in town, right? And that can just become something that gets a hold of us and what, we just can't let go of it. We just, we've got to have it. We've, we've got to have what they have. He says, don't covet your neighbor's house. Do, uh, you shall not covet Your neighbor's wife. Man, if I just had a wife like her, I'd be a different man. Right? Oh, boy. She doesn't nag like my wife nags. Yeah. If she was married to you, she might. Right? You know, it goes both ways, right? She might. You never know. But it's just that idea that that's looking, that's not only looking at possessions, but that's looking at, at somebody's lifestyle and somebody's life choices. Somebody else's mate and being able to, to really say, boy, if I just could have that wife. And again, it kind of goes both ways. Covening can, can lead into and begin with just saying, I wished I had a, a wife like her, Taken to the extreme, coveting is not I wish I had a wife like her, but I wished I had her, somebody else's wife. And that happens all the time. Go to work, you work with people, you see the good side all the time, they're always perfect, you don't see that ugly bad side at work, or you don't see that per- person that they are when they go home and they live with that person 24-7. And all of a sudden, all kinds of trouble happens because you've, desired something that belongs to somebody else so he says the house and he says the wife and then he says the the manservant or the maidservant the ox or the donkey or anything he has the ox well i don't know anybody's who got an ox <laughs> i'm safe there i'll be i'll be able to avoid that temptation i've never coveted my neighbor's ox i can say that right? Now, my in-laws have some donkeys, so I guess I'm not, you know, I've never coveted them, but they have them. I know somebody who's got donkeys. But, but look, there's, just look at that idea. There's the house and there's the wife, and then there's the servants. Again, that's, that's a status of knowing that those, that, that, that neighbor is, is wealthy enough or, or whatever enough to be able to have servants and be able to have people who take care of his stuff and his property and his house. Just the possessions that it, has, just, it says that we should not get to the point to where we're looking at that saying, here's the, uh, here's the key. I wished I had his life. I wished I had her life. Do you ever look at some of the movie stars and some of the famous people and it just seems like everything, you know, and you say, man, I just, I'd like to have that. I'd like to live that life. I'd like to have her money. And what's interesting, and I think it's true, and I've heard say when it comes to possessions and when it comes to to money and those kinds of things, this is what I've heard say, that if you're a stingy person and you somehow come into a lot of money, you're still going to be stingy. Money does not change who we are. It only magnifies what's already there. So if you're a stingy person and you get a lot of money, you're probably going to become more stingy. If you're greedy and you get a lot of money, you're probably going to be even more greedy. If you have a little bit and you're not doing something with it, don't expect that God's going to give you more and then all of a sudden you're just going to be this great, wonderful, generous person. If we don't do, it's a biblical principle, excuse me, if we're not faithful with a little, we're not going to have much to be able to do stuff with. So don't, let's not fool ourselves. I want that life. I want that money. I want all of that. And the Bible says there and those things. It gives those a list of things. So coveting kind of allows us in this idea of promoting false security that, that if we just had this, we'd be happier, we'd be more content. Now, I know you've been there, and I have too. How many of you really truly know, once you ever get whatever that was, how long does it take for that to be old, and all of a sudden, something new is on the list? You ever done that? Just got to have it. Oh, if I just had. I had an electronic organizer thing a while back. It was a Zarus. and it was cool, it flipped open like the modern cell phones, although it was 10 times bigger, and it had a full QWERTY keyboard and you could enter dates and appointments and it had contacts and all that kind of stuff. Wasn't color, just black and white. But it was awesome. Oh man, I gotta have one of those. Knew somebody who had one. I got one. Wasn't long after that, another one come out. It was color. Smaller. Brighter screen. Better able to sync with my computer. Oh man, that's awesome. I just had one of those. Did that for a little while and seen a different one. Wasn't quite, that just was too complicated for me. I think I need something a little simpler. I'll just get one of these little palm things, you know. I'll use one of those for a while. Oh, man, this is it. Oh, that's it. Use that for a little while. God, I'm tired of this. I'm going back to a calendar. I'm just going to the office supply store and I'm getting get me a paper calendar. This is getting ridiculous. Do a calendar for a while. Oh, man, phones. Phones—they got calendars on phones now. Man, it'd be awesome. I have my phone, I have my calendar, and everything. So now I'm keeping my calendar on the phone. I don't synchronize with the internet and all that stuff because I'm—I'm the um, technologically challenged person on our staff. <laughs> Not so much challenged, I guess. I know a little bit about it, I just don't go along with all of it. So, so there has to be somebody in in everything, and so it's me. But you know what? You know how that is, right? You see something, you got to have it. Nothing will do you until you get it. This is it. This is going to be the one. This is going to be... Oh, man. And then you do that, and then it's not long, and it's like, oh, there's something else. All of a sudden, this is not important. So coveting. Had to be careful. Had to be careful that it doesn't give us this sense of false security that if I just had, if I just had, if I just had, if I just had, I would be a better person. I'd be a nicer person. I'd be a more generous person. I'd, be, I'd just be a better husband. I'd be a better wife. If I just had promotes false security and here's here's the second thing and this one is the most important coveting causes us to miss the life that god has for us coveting causes us to miss the life that god has for us See, we can get so busy wishing we had this that so-and-so has, and if I just had his life, if I just had her life, if I just had their house, if I could just drive their car, if I had that motorcycle, if, if I had, right? And all of a sudden, we're, we're just preoccupied, and we're always thinking about if we just had somebody else's stuff, we would be so much more happy. The whole time, we're miserable, wishing we had somebody else's stuff, and then we walk around wondering, I just don't know what God wants for my life. I'm seeking, I'm praying, God, I just, I don't know, I just don't know. And the whole time, you just, you don't know because you're wishing you as somebody else all the time. Maybe God's getting you confused now. He thought He knew who you was, but your desires are wanting. So maybe He's trying to give you the stuff of somebody else, but it's just not working because it wasn't ever meant for you to have. So we need to be careful that we just don't get caught up in always wanting something else or wanting something that somebody else has that we miss what God has For us, here's another definition of of coveting that I found. It was to desire inordinately to place the object of desire before love and devotion to God. And here's what I know. Because I'm guilty of it too. We all say we're busy. Schedule's busy. Work's crazy. Think kid's going here, kid's going there. I don't have time to sit down and read God's Word and really seek what He wants for my life. You just don't know how busy we are. Yet you'll sit on the Internet for an hour or two researching something that you want to buy. You'll spend, and I, you know don't, I'm not bashing it, just, just, just go with me, but you'll spend hours on Facebook catching up and connecting with old friends when you don't have 20 minutes to read the Bible during the week. Nothing necessarily wrong with that, but when things get out of balance, it's a problem. And we say we don't have time to discern God's will for our life. If I could just know what God wanted, if we would spend time in God's Word and praying and seeking what He wanted for us, not desiring something somebody else has, we've got the time. The question is, will we just really make it a priority? Or is it easier just to look at what somebody else already has and say, I'd just rather have that? So we need to be careful that the coveting doesn't doesn't allow us to miss what God has for us. To really miss what God has for us. So uh, the, the last part of that verse, it talked about the house and the wife and the servants and all that kind of stuff. And the last part of it says, or anything that belongs to your neighbor, in case some of you are legalistic, you've already got things in mind, and you said, well, maybe it's okay because he didn't say, and you fill in the blank, right? Well, he didn't say I couldn't covet. You know, that wasn't in the list. Well, he just covered it all. Right? You've got the house and the wife and the donkey and the ox and the manservant and the maidservant and all that kind of stuff. And then he says, basically my interpretation is, and in case you were looking for a loophole, I'll just go ahead and throw in the and anything else that your neighbor has. It's not for you to covet. In other words, don't desire the life of somebody else. Focus on the life that God has for you. There's no benefit, there's no value in having those desires to where they just overtake you and you always wished you had something somebody else had. Coveting can control us in a way that we just don't focus on God. We're constantly thinking about what it is that so-and-so had that we wished we had. We're so busy wishing that we were somebody else. Now, here's a thought that I wrote down, and it's kind of hard to swallow, but I, I think it's true. When we allow coveting to to become a, a part of our lives when we're always desiring and wishing and wanting and got to have and manipulating to get and so when that becomes a part of our life basically what that is saying to God is God you've messed up what we're saying to God is God I know yeah you're the author of creation and you're responsible for my life and all that kind of stuff but I'm just not satisfied I'd rather be so and so I'd rather have the life of so-and-so. You stood there on the altar before God and everybody else and had the preacher and made it legitimate and friends and family and all that and made pledges and vows that this is the person that God has given to me and then there comes a point in your life to where you say, I'd rather have her. And what that says to God is, God, you really don't know what you're doing. You really messed up. I mean, yeah, my life's okay, but boy, now, now look at her. Now, you did good there, God. Now, he's got the life, but me, you've messed up with me. Imagine how it may feel for God. God doesn't operate the way we operate, but I have to think from a human perspective since I'm mostly, most of the time, human. Imagine how God may feel when we say to him, you know, God, thanks for the life, but I'd rather be somebody else. I mean, I appreciate it and everything, but... Man, if I, could just, if I could just have what she's got, if I could just live where he lives, if, if I could just have their life, God, oh, then you would have done well, but you really messed up. God has a plan for our lives as individuals. There's no person in this room the same. It's intended to be that way. There's no person in this room the same. God has a special something for your life. And we are all different. And I believe that God, in His wisdom, chooses to bless us in ways that other people are not blessed. He doesn't have a generic box of blessings and He just scatters them out amongst the people in hopes that they'll fall on somebody. I believe that God has a life planned for us. And that life consists of knowing Him and loving Him and serving Him and being the person that He has created us to be. Not somebody else. If God would have wanted me to be like somebody else, one of us is not needed. And I know that's not God's heart. There's a a scripture in in Psalms. It's 139. I don't think I have this one on the screen uh, for you, but listen to this. And you may have heard this one before. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. It says, For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. And when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Isn't that awesome? And that's the psalmist just saying, God, it's not a surprise that I'm here. It's not like you were keeping count over all of your creation, and one day you looked and saw me and said, Oh, whoa, where did she come from? I don't don't remember that one. God's not surprised. All of the days, he said, all of the days of my life. In other words, God, I'm an individual. You've created me. There there are things that you have for me that are only for me. And if we spend our time wishing we were somebody else, we're going to miss that. And that's going to be a life that's unfulfilled. And you'll wonder why you just feel like you never got it together. And you'll wonder why you don't ever feel happy. And you'll wonder why you don't feel blessed. And you'll wonder why you're not in love with your wife like you used to be. And you'll wonder why you hate your kids. And you'll... (laughs) Oh, that's another one that I struggle with. Sorry, I'm kidding. My kids in here... You wonder, you'll wonder why, why does this life not make sense? Why am I so uh, not content with life? Why am I so unhappy with my life? And if you're wishing you're always somebody else, I can tell you what, you don't have to look any farther. There's the reason. And not only is it bad for us, it's a sin. (laughs) Just plain and simple, it's a sin. So, so here's the challenge. Now, I would challenge you with this. Ask God to bless you according to the way that he wants to bless you. See, in the other scripture we read, it says you don't have because you don't ask. And the reason you don't get it is because when you ask, you're asking for stuff that selfishly that you want to use. You're going to use it for yourself. And here's what I'm afraid happens a lot of times. Even in our prayers, even as we're asking God to bless us, oftentimes we are asking Him to bless us with the things that we're coveting. That's not going to work. (laughs) You know, God, it's a sin for me to covet, but if I just had that, would you please give me that? And we sit around waiting for it to happen. Oh, God, just don't hear my prayers. He never gives me what I ask for. He's not going to give you what you're coveting. And so the challenge is, ask God to bless you according to the way that he wants to bless you. See, I don't want God to bless me like he blesses Cliff. Because he might have more in store for me. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Seriously, on the other side of that, guess what? My life might not be at the level to where I can handle the blessings that God has for Cliff. Sometimes the blessings that we think we need can be a curse because we're not ready for them. And God knows that. So why would I want him to bless me like he's blessing somebody else? I want him to bless me like he knows I should be blessed. That way we've got it right on the mark. It's not too much. It's not too little. It's just exactly right, what I need for right now based on who God knows that I am. So that's a challenge. God, as you're praying, as you're thinking about it, instead of, God, I wish I had. God, why can't I? God, why can't I do this? And look, this is just a quick side note. Uh, and I'll say this to ladies because um, especially we've gone, many of you have read the Love and Respect book and the idea of love the, and the woman giving the man respect and the man giving the woman love. But I'm going to tell you, women, if you do this, this is, a, this is a big downer on your husband, whether he'll tell you or not. You go and visit somebody, and they've got a nice home, And all the way home, you're talking to him about what you wish your house was. Not a good thing. Just don't do it. Right? Because he don't want to hear that you're not happy with your life. In other words, you're telling him, I'd just be a lot happier if we could have a house like she had. Right? So that's for free. Didn't charge you for that? You can throw that in. And men... On the love side, I guess I can just say this. Don't do the, I told you I loved you when we got married. If that changes, I'll let you know. Okay? It goes both ways. All right? Okay. So the, the, challenge, the challenge is this. Ask God to bless you as he wants to bless you. He's created you in a unique way. He has a plan for your life. Don't miss that by, by desiring what somebody else wants. wants. And uh, are you wanting what somebody else has? The other thing is this, and I just briefly mentioned it. If you struggle with this, if you have a problem with it, maybe you feel like you're really not at the idea of coveting, but you do spend a lot of time wishing and wanting and desiring, and if I had and all that kind of stuff. I'll just challenge you with this. Spend a fraction of the time with God in His Word as you do in research and thinking and saving money for and spending many on, money on. Spend a fraction of that time that you're doing with all that desire and want. Spend it with God and see if things change. Because if you've got the priorities backwards, it's, it's not going to ever make sense to you. So those are two challenges. And now I'm going to just close with, with these, two, these two thoughts uh, quickly. And Cliff mentioned this scripture. But we're finishing up this series. Who's your daddy? And the idea is, again who's in charge who's in control of your life what what's got a hold what's got a hold of you Who, who's the boss in your life and and he mentioned uh before and uh last week and by the way if you haven't heard the other sermons you can go online and you can listen to all those they've been they've been posted there and you can hear them if you haven't heard them but um second 2 peter two nineteen is one of the scriptures that has been referenced and the idea is this that a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him just just know that whatever has got a hold of you, that you have become slave to that. And here's the other scripture that I love uh, that goes along with this, I believe, and I've mentioned this one before, but it's Ephesians 5.18, and it says this. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's the concept in this whole Who's Your Daddy series. as well. You're master to whatever's mastered you. And here's the thing. If you're going to have something that's going to enter your body, in such a way that it has control of you, let it be the Holy Spirit of God. Not drugs, not alcohol, not desires, not anger, not sin, not food, not fill in the blank with all the sermons that we didn't preach that we could have found some more stuff to preach on, right? If you're going to allow something to be in your life in such a way that it controls you, let it be the Holy Spirit of God. That way we know that we're living the way that God wants us to. Now, that's easier said than done because every day's a challenge, isn't it? But it's not impossible, and that's what God wants for us, and that's the best for us. So I would just say to you that, that God wants to be in control of your life, and let's not let anything else take His place. Now, I don't know where you are this morning. I'm going to ask the band. They'll, they'll, they'll come on up and get ready to play. We're going to just close, close up. I don't know where you are this morning. There may be a, of a number of things that we've preached on this whole series. Maybe all of them hit you. Maybe none of them hit you. Maybe this is the one that hits you right between the eyes. Maybe, again, there's things that you're thinking of that you said, I wish you would have preached about this because this is what I have a problem with. Just know that God doesn't want you to be mastered by anything but Him. I mean, if we're going to choose to be a slave to something... Let's, let's choose to be a slave to his will for our lives. So I would challenge you as we have this whole series. Don't just acknowledge that you have a problem with that and leave here and expect things are going to change if you don't make a decision to let God have control of your life. I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray in just a minute. And for those of you, you might be here and you say, listen, you know, it's not all that other stuff. I'm still at the point to where I'm seeking God. And, and I'm thinking about him and I'm wanting to be a part of my life, but you know, you've never really just made that decision just to give him control of your life. So you're being mastered by your own will. You're being mastered by everything else that comes along. You've not yet surrendered to his control in your life as far as salvation is concerned. And if that's where you are, it, it, really, is, it really is simple. The Bible teaches that we just confess our sins, let him, let him know that, that we've sinned, that that we want to uh, trust in Jesus. We know that Jesus is the, is the plan that he, for, for us, that He paid the penalty for our sins, and that through Him, we're just going to have faith in God to believe that that He can save us, turn from our ways, and ask Him just to help us each day of our lives. That's basically what the Bible says. There are no magic words to say, but in a nutshell, that's it. So I'm going to ask if you would just close your eyes for just a moment. And first of all, if you're in that last category that I mentioned. Maybe you know you've never given your life to Jesus and and you're thinking about it you're ready to do that. Just, Just right now in your own words. Let God know that you've sinned and you're ready to trust in Jesus. Just in your own words. Thank Him for forgiving you and let Him know that you're turning from your own Ideas and ways and trusting your life to him. This day. And then just thank him for hearing you, knowing that, that, that God is there. The creator of the universe is interested in listening to you. And then for the others here, I, just a challenge to us again. You know, who, who has, who has the, the, the control in our life? What are you dealing with sin-wise? And would it be today that you say, okay, this is enough, this is the drawing point, this is the time where I say, I'm just, I'm not satisfied living this way any longer. God, you've really got to have, I know I've trusted you for salvation, but I just don't really let you have control in the everyday areas of my life. And maybe you would even pray this morning, God, my new prayer is bless me as you know that you want to bless me. God, we do thank you this morning. It's just, um, it's refreshing to know that you, you have a plan for our life. Sometimes we make it so complicated and we worry ourselves to death trying to figure it out. And you know what it is. I thank you that you're interested in us. And that we don't have to be mastered by anything other than you. That's our desire. Lord, as often times as we mess up, it really is our desire. So help us to just have faith in you, trust in you, and rejoice in the fact that we're just covered by your grace. You hold us in your hand. You love us. You love the person that you've created. So just help us to grab a hold of that and live that out each day in Jesus name we pray